Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Above Par Golf Show. So in today's episode, I've got amateur golfer who plays on the Amateur Players Tour and the Golf Week Amateur Tour, Golf Pony Was. Hey, Scott, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well, thanks. Thank you for coming on, first of all. Um, so one thing I wanted to ask right now, where are you living at the moment? Are you in New York or are you in Texas or are you in between the two? I'm in New York these days. Yeah, so I moved York, back okay. up here about two years ago. And you, you're from Wisconsin, right? Yeah, so I grew up in uh, Madison, Wisconsin area. And actually, I'm okay. heading back there this weekend to play some golf. So, Oh, nice. I was just about to ask, I mean, what's the golf game like there? It's not um, one of the states that's maybe as big as the others. So how, how's the golf games there? In terms of the golf, it's not as big as the others. What's, what's it like down there to play? Yeah, in uh, Wisconsin? Yeah, so Wisconsin actually has some pretty incredible courses. Um, okay. In recent years, I've been getting more renowned, I guess. Um, this year, actually, where I'm going to be playing this weekend is uh, Whistling Straits, which people this year have learned about mostly because sure. of the Ryder Cup. Um, of course. <laughs> but then also Sand Valley is another uh, famous course that's come onto the map uh, over the last few years. And um, there's some other sort of classic ones, Black Wolf Run, um, as well as a few others that uh, have have made their name uh, in in yeah. Uh, yeah. the world of golf for sure. Yeah, I feel like you said this year it's it's definitely been getting bigger. I mean, who's your what's your sort of feeling with the the Ryder Cup this year? How do you think it's going to go? Well, obviously Team USA, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, aside Confident from that. Though. Yeah, so I, I uh, I'm looking forward to watching it. I think everybody you know has been getting excited even more this year, just with the whole COVID delay. Um, so it should be pretty exciting. And um, also with some of the other side drama going on with Brooks and Bryson and yeah. um, how that team is going to come together. And, you know, Steve Stricker on his home, uh, sort of home turf being in Wisconsin. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's the one thing. I mean, I, I catch all the, the goal for the PGA Tour and the English coverage over here. And they're constantly talking about this whole Brooks and, and um, Bryson thing, whether maybe it's some sort of American plan. They, they kind of throw us off and then all of a sudden they're both together and they just absolutely destroy us or something, you know, turns out they're best friends or something. Yeah. And it's all, all part of like Steve Stricker's plan. <laughs> <laughs> Brings that energy together and just you exactly. know, explodes just it. <laughs> throws all the Europeans off. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you were telling me a little uh, cool story about how you got started in golf then. Do you want to tell everybody about that, that story about how you got started? Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, just kind of a funny story. So I started golfing when I was very, very young. I mean, I, I can't even remember the first time I picked up clubs, but, you know, my dad used to pick me up from preschool and kind of take me out of school and let me go hit golf balls. Um, but uh yeah, really, it was a family affair when I first started. My brother played, my dad played, my mom was playing. Um, but my mom, her golf career quickly came to an end um, when I was about probably four or five years old and we were playing on the par three. Um, and it was one of the first times we kind of all four went out onto a course and, and were playing together. And mm -hmm. um, as, a, as a young child, I didn't quite grasp the, the rules of, you know, the the furthest one from the hole gets to hit first and i started okay. getting frustrated and antsy and um 
yeah, at the point, at that point, I was probably crying on the golf course, just saying like, why does she keep getting to hit first? And the real reason being that I was just like already hitting the ball well and already out hitting my mom. And so it'd be like nice. two or three strokes before she finally got to my ball. And here I am, this little pipsqueak five-year-old that uh, yeah. is out hitting his mom. And so unfortunately for my mom, that kind of was the beginning of the end. And she uh, quickly gave up golf and, um, but uh, yeah, so I was uh, quickly taking to golf and, and loved it, you know, really from, from yeah. my childhood. So. so so was your mom quite a keen golfer then as well, or just played for fun with the family or was she quite a good golfer? Mostly fun with the family. And I think as I was getting started, my brother was getting started and we were all kind of playing she thought it'd be a fun thing to do as a family and unfortunately (laughs) I think I kind of ruined that for us but uh she was taking lessons and everything and playing with friends and and yeah I mean what sort of yardage were you getting as a five-year-old then that sounds like you must have been (laughs) doing pretty well yeah I don't know I mean it was probably like 100 yards or so but you know when when people are learning I I mean any adult that's learning um to play golf right now especially I know with COVID it's it's tough like yeah when you're older you get the frustration you don't have the patience that or like just sort of the the carelessness that a a child has um sure so i can appreciate the frustration she probably had with me um yeah i think it's just one of those things i mean this is it's the reason why obviously people that start so young uh, turn out to be the best professionals because it just seems like when you're a kid you could just pick these things up so quick so what sort of handicap were you sorry at the start when you first started getting really good at golf what, what sort of handicap did you start at, and then what sort of handicap are you at now yeah so when I was young um, I probably was in my peak around like you know high school age probably somewhere around a six or seven-ish handicap, single digits. Um, So I was definitely, um, you know, playing frequently. And in the summer, I would get dropped off at the golf course in the morning, picked up at night. And and that was basically live and breathe golf. Um, Over the years, once I got to college and, you know, sort of adult working life and my first stint in New York hit, um, really golf just sort of fell to the side. Um, When I first lived in New York after college, I didn't have a car. And so for those that live in New York, they can appreciate Mm -hmm. it's hard to get to a golf course in under a couple hours, unless you have a car or a friend with a car or something. It's just like a pain. Um, So I really didn't play that much. My brother was living out near Princeton about an hour and a half, two hours away. And so I would kind of keep my clubs out there and every couple of weekends, maybe sneak out, but I wasn't playing that much. So my handicap was probably around like a 14, 15 for a few okay. years. Um, now over the last sort of year and a half or so with COVID, I've really got back into it. Mm-hmm. Um, even down in Austin, I was kind of getting back into it where I was down around a 10 to 12-ish. Um, but then I sort of fell off again, being in New York, bumped up to a 14 yeah. again. Now I'm uh, now I just actually hit a seven point eight, which um, wow. sadly I'm afraid is going to maybe bump me up in some of the divisions with some <laughs> of the the or the tours that I play in now. For that nice problem to have though. Yeah. So, um, but then yesterday, you know, didn't shoot my handicap at all. In no. Event, but nobody did, fortunately. So. Yeah, it's one of those tough situations, right? You turn up at the tournament as a seven point eight, and then maybe shoot a twelve, and this guy, this guy's lying. This, they think that they think that you're, you know, underestimate, overestimate what you are. <laughs> yeah. So. so, 
And also as well, you I read that you were, well, I mean, a really good hockey player. You wanted to become a professional hockey player at one point? Um, so when I was little, I did. Um, yeah. My parents never let me actually play. Um, <laughs> oh, really? I was, yeah, I was golfing. I was playing a lot of soccer, everything. So um, when I was actually younger, uh, they were trying to convince me to play. Um, uh-huh. A lot of my friends ended up going on to play like college and pro level that I would play pond hockey with in Wisconsin. Um, so a lot of friends, parents, and coaches were trying to get me to play. Um, my parents were like, no travel like that in the winter. So I just yeah. ended up starting to play when I was an adult, but I always oh, okay. had dreams, never got to play. So I was a beer league, uh, aspiring pro, I guess. Yeah. Well, cause when, when I read that, I thought, you know, I was looking on your Instagram to see if there's any like photos of the hockey and I didn't see it. So maybe it was a long, long time ago. And I was thinking maybe that was the reason that you were good at golf, right? Because it's kind of like a similar sport. You've got something in your hand like tennis or or whatever. Um, so I thought you started off with hockey and then and then got into the golf afterwards. But so you, you never actually played really at, at maybe like an amateur level at the golf, really just just kind of played around with friends. Yeah, no, soccer was my thing where I uh, or I guess football in the UK. But uh, so I was a, yeah. a big soccer player and played at the the state Olympic development program level and was invited to play regional uh, or invited to the regional tryouts for mm-hmm. the Midwest um, Olympic development program, which is, I guess, sort of like the stepping stones to the national team here in the US, but uh, yeah. never quite made it, but. Yeah, oh, well. Give it and, a good and, <laughs> Yeah, well, you got golf now and you're obviously pretty good at that as well, so it's not bad. So in, in New York there, you touched on kind of with travel, it's really difficult. So what sort of courses are you playing in New York? Is it all just really local stuff, the most local possible? Or do you try and play a new course every time? How, how do you like to play around there? Yeah, so um, I live in the in the actual city of New York. So I live near like World Trade Center in like lower Manhattan. Um, okay. So during the week, um, we've got this great new facility actually that started to pop up over the last couple of years. Um, it's indoor golf simulators called Five Iron Golf. Mm-hmm. Um, they're making the rounds on Instagram too. So you might even see a couple uh, names out on tour with sponsorships. Um, okay. So that's been great. It's all track bands and stuff. So during the week, that's like my thing, um, yeah. 7 a.m. usually. And then when I'm uh, on the weekends trying to get out to play, um, I belong to a, a country club down in um, sort of the Neptune Asbury Park area of the Jersey Shore, which is not the mm-hmm. Jersey Shore of the famous MTV show. <laughs> um, a little bit nicer than that. Yeah. Um, so I play golf at, at um, that course a lot. And then I play in a couple of uh, amateur tours that are New York and New Jersey, um, which keep okay. me kind of rotating around to a lot of new courses. But um, there are some good um, some great courses actually that are even public, um, Pound Ridge is, is one of them, which is, um, you know, one of the top, uh, Pete Dye courses. Um, okay. and then of course, Beth Page Black, um, which if you can get a tea time out there, it is public and it's only <laughs> yeah. 75 bucks and it's a great deal. Um, and that's a serious, serious golf yeah. course to challenge. And then if I can sort of sneak on with, friends or whatever to some of the other private clubs I'll, I'll try to do that as well but it's um now that I have a car it's a little bit easier to sneak out yeah. for sure so that indoor area you're talking about with the track man is that the one that you publish a lot on on Instagram when you're practicing with the 
with the trap man and the, the the swing simulator yeah so five iron golf is is okay. great for that and yeah Okay, so are you a little bit more of like an analytical person there when it comes to your golf swing? I mean, some people don't like to use that kind of stuff still, do they? They prefer just to see the balls out on the range, but are you very much somebody that's looking at yardage and club head speed, all that kind of stuff, or a little bit of both? Yeah, I'm a little bit of both. Um, it's like, I like that, especially I'm practicing because there are certain drills where I work with a, a coach actually online um, where I can go in there and for him to see the numbers and see my swing without seeing, you know, the balls flying out into the mm -hmm. distance necessarily in person, it makes it much easier to, to hone in on where things are a little bit off or um, where you can kind of focus in. And sure. I mean, over this last sort of year, especially with COVID, it's been super helpful to just be able to see those numbers too, when you have mm -hmm. little things in the swing that you're just trying to hone in on. Um, I found that it just makes the progress so much quicker than I think it was before because my coach can say, hey, this is sort of your target number range that you're looking mm -hmm. to keep it in versus like if I'm out on the range and it's like, okay, like, you know, working on getting that draw a little bit bigger than it was yeah. or, or things like that, you know, you can see it, but you can't really dial it in the same way that sure. man really can. For sure. And so before like the COVID and, and stuff like that, then um, you, you said you were, I mean, you were a massive traveler, but were you traveling around playing or were you not managing to play when you were traveling? Yeah, I wasn't um, traveling and playing nearly as much. I would sort of sneak it in here and there um, mm -hmm. when the opportunities came up. Um, but now I think with COVID, I sort of just really started um, making that a, a destination part of my travel um, yeah like last year I went down to Hilton Head for what started as a week and then extended it to two because I just was having so much fun down there and yeah. it was COVID <laughs> like um, the other thing too is you know my girlfriend trying to keep uh, the travel and the golf balance sure. um, yeah. <laughs> is is still something real but luckily there are some destinations that you can play yeah. both so have you, have you played a lot then outside of the the states? Have you have you played in many other countries or or cities or not not, not that many? Unfortunately, not. Um, no. I used to work for a travel company uh, right out of college, actually over in India. Um, okay. So I actually did get to play in India. Um, wow. But that's okay. really about the extent of my international. Otherwise, it's mostly uh, across the country. How how's the golf out there then? It was actually one of the, the cooler, more unique experiences. I bet, yeah. Um, it was Delhi Country Club. So as a foreigner, it's open to the public. Um, and it's right next to the Oberoi Villas, um, sort of on the outskirts of Delhi. Okay. And um, beautiful course. It's got these old ancient runes that sort of dot, dot the course. Um, wow. Peacocks are like running across the fairway, um, you know, so it, the big feathers are all out. And then uh -huh. actually I had um, a member of, I guess it's like the India or like Asia um, PGA Tour. Um, he works there. His dad was like the head club pro. And so he caddies. So he was my caddy. Okay. Um, so it was fun to have him as well and just kind of showing me the ropes and yeah. getting me back on track and hearing his story. So it was overall a super unique experience and just yeah. a beautiful course actually 
I was going to, I mean, I bet they're beautiful courses, but I imagine at the same time with the weather as well, there must be some pretty chance courses. It's quite dry out there, I imagine, on the course, is it? I mean, in terms of obviously greens, fairways, everything's going to be dry, especially if you play during the summertime. Yeah, so I forget the time of year that it actually was, but I think it might have been like on a shoulder of monsoon season. So it actually ended up being all right. Okay. It wasn't like super crispy. And actually it wasn't like 120 degrees for me. I remember being kind of overcast and, but yeah, yeah it, was, it was a lot of fun, but I got to uh, get over to your neck of the woods. That's my next yeah. sort of uh, must do trip. Well, I was just about to ask, I mean, with a, with a normal situation, what sort of things are on your bucket list golf wise? If we're talking all over the world, what sort, what sort of uh, trips are on your list? Yeah, so there's, um obviously like St. Andrews old course is like a must. Um, mm -hmm. And then um, I think there's also a number of courses that I can't even remember the names of now that I feel like randomly you'll, you'll hear people that go to the big names and like the Carnoustie's and, and things like that. But then mm -hmm. they're like, but my favorite course was like this other random course that kind of got tacked onto our course. And I thought it was better than the main courses. Yeah. And so I'd love to just be able to go for a couple of weeks and explore and, and get over to sort of the, the broader England, Scotland, Ireland, um, do like a big circuit. I don't know. Sure. Tom Coyne-esque um, adventure. Um, yeah, he's, I follow him as well. He's, he's really cool. <laughs> so it'd be great to get something like that. But then yeah. also I've been discovering a few other areas. I mean, Dubai, Abu Dhabi is starting to get itself on the map with some beautiful courses. Yeah, also some, like, so, some like night golf. Yeah. Night golf looks really cool, the night golf. I'd like to do that. Yeah. And then Japan too, I've started to hear. Um, mm. Actually has some beautiful courses and some of the best golf in the world. And there's another course, course in uh, Hoi An, I think, in Vietnam that mm -hmm. I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's like a, a Pete Dye course as well, but it's coastal and, you know, similar to some of those coastal uh, Scottish like links courses and stuff. So, Yeah, I, I, funny enough, in the last episode, I spoke to somebody, a professional player, Anna Minami. She's got um, on the Taiwan PGA, but she's trying to make it onto the JPGA and also the LPGA. And she said that we were talking, well, we were talking about not only the courses and there's from Japan, but just the general talent that comes from, from Asia at the moment, especially Japan with Matsuyama winning the master. It looks like it's getting more and more popular there. So I think that would be a, a really cool destination as well to go. But um, how, how do you think your, your game would handle the kind of link style courses in, in Europe then if, compared to maybe the States? I don't know. I think there'd be some, some serious adjustments that would have to be done. Um, the course that I play at actually is sort of coastal and we get some weird winds that come off. So I've gotten used to, to some of the winds, but just not that like rock hard, you know, bounce and roll and, sure. and run it, you know, yeah. learning to hit those like half distance, but run it below the wind types of mm -hmm. irons, I think would be a, a new challenge for me to get used to for sure. Yeah. Learn like a bit of a stinger shot maybe. Yeah. Have you, uh, <laughs> I mean, is that something that you've grown up with? Uh, to be honest, I mean, I, I've not played golf all my life. It was really something that I started kind of last couple of years. 
I'm one of those that's kind of gave it a bit of a try the years and picked up the club and gone to the range. But my sport was always uh, always soccer. Golf was one of those that's had too much patience for me. And I think maybe as I got older and a little bit mature, it just suddenly been good for me. And um, yeah, so I, I kind of picked up again maybe a year and a half years ago and at this time just completely fell in love with it and um, it's a bit unfortunate as well because of, of COVID like you said I I got to a maybe not a decent level in terms of my scoring and handicap but a point where on the driving range and in my classes I was hitting you know some good shots and, and was showing the potential um, but then shortly after I went over to Portugal for a little while and then went to live in Mexico and I didn't have access to my teacher and the practice as much and my game just kind of took a, a little bit dip and then I've recently come back to the UK and hooked back up with the same teacher and it's it's kind of on the rise again um but to answer your question yeah I've not had a, a lot of experience I've actually played more golf in Portugal which has got some incredible out there you don't get too much in terms of wind it's obviously just you know really hot a lot of water out there uh thick grass and then in the UK, I've only played a couple courses, to be honest. I recently played at a course called uh, Shrugley Hall, and it's right up in the hills um, in, in just where I live. So that was really, really tough. Uh, I ended up shooting like five to ten shots more than I normally do because pretty much all the fairways was on are on like a massive slope, even left to right. So even if you're hitting fairways, normally rolling off onto the into the rough anyway, the first court. So, yeah, I mean, definitely we have some tough courses here, but I think it, it you know, it improves you as a, as a player. Um, but, yeah, so I'm, I'm getting better and, and I'll keep playing, but I really want to get over to the to, to the States and, and play more there. I played in, in America, so that'd be that'd be probably on my bucket list. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Might have to do a little exchange. <laughs> right. Definitely. I mean, once, once COVID passes, I'm going to be, I'm going to be here over there for sure. Six months playing every week. <laughs> <laughs> So you're you're obviously playing on these amateur um, tournaments. How did you get started in all that? Were you always kind of set on that, or did you just kind of play with friends and then decide to enter some? How did you get started with the with the amateur stuff, the tournaments? Yeah, so when I was in high school, I played a lot um, of tournaments, mostly like localish um, around where I grew up, and then I also played high school golf. Um, so I always had that competitive spirit, and then mm -hmm. even now, you know would play in a variety of sport tournaments or whatever. Um, really, it was COVID that got me back into the tournaments. I did a couple sort of member guest type tournaments with friends and, and family over the years, the past few years. Um, mm -hmm. But I decided during COVID, nothing else was going on. And um, they do these tournaments pretty much every week or every other weekend. And there were a couple of them that were more regional um, at some nice courses, like in upstate New York. Um, mm -hmm. Turning Stone Resort was one of the first ones. And actually Hilton Head, which was the national tournament I found out about. So I was in COVID, just in lockdown, going yeah. stir crazy. And I started Googling <laughs> a lot. And then I kind of found out that this was a thing even. I didn't even yeah. have friends that were doing it. And just um, went to the first one and then had a good time. Went to the second one had a great time. And then I was like, wait, I could, you know, try to play a couple more and then be yeah. able to go to Hilton Head and play in the national tournament. And I ended up making the cut on that one. And um, oh, wow. basically um, that was the golf week amateur tour that every year does their national tournament in uh, Hilton Head. Um, and then this year um, there was a little bit of a shakeup where a number of the, the previous tour owners kind of formed this new 
um, amateur players tour, which is um, a little bit of a newer version, um, a little mm -hmm. bit more um, of an upgraded type of experience for a lot of um, the things that they're doing. And they actually now have a, a few more of these like regional type super tournament type things, as well as mm -hmm. like a whole series of national tour events. Um, so they already um, <clears throat> did one like down in San Antonio, TPC San Antonio um, in Texas um, this coming weekend for 4th of July mm -hmm. is why I'm not only going to visit family, but also go play golf <laughs> at Whistling Straits. So it's a national oh. tour event um, as well as Black Wolf, Black Wolf Run. Um, and then actually for Labor Day weekend here in the States, which is the first week of September, um, that's going to be one at um, uh, True North. So both courses, okay. two-day event. Um, so they do these national events. And sure. um, so it's, it's fun to, it gives me an excuse to go play some of these new courses. Um, <laughs> and then the national tournament you have to qualify for, and that's going to be at Pinehurst this year. So nice yeah some great classic courses yeah you know, bucket list courses and you know a lot of my friends don't golf or aren't serious about golf um so it can be tough to get them to go to some of these places yeah plan a whole vacation around it so it gives me a good excuse too but yeah and i saw as well as checking out your 2020 results on your instagram um i mean for anybody that wants to check you out it's pony underscore golf um and it seemed like you had a second last year in one of the tournaments, and then you've had some other kind of top 20s and stuff like that as well, right? Yeah, so I've been uh, always the bridesmaid, never the bride, I guess is what they say sometimes. So, yeah, well, it's still I've had quite a, quite a few second places. There's um, actually in the, the New Jersey Golf Week Tour this season, some points-wise leading in the tour, but uh, I've had the first three events of the season, I went second place, second place, well, actually tied for first, but lost the playoff hole. Oh. So I ended up in second and then uh, second place. And then yesterday I was eighth, but um, it yeah, wasn't so a lot it of second it, place. It wasn't an eight hole playoff like yesterday, was it? <laughs> no, just a one hole, but uh, still hurts just That's as much. Cool. <laughs> well, it looks like you're close though, at least. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So hopefully this weekend that'll change. But... Yeah, I hope so, man. So like I said at the start um, off air, I mean, you do so much stuff apart from golf as well. Um, how do you get the time to not only play in these tournaments, but, you know, maybe get the practice in and that kind of stuff? I mean, how often are you practicing every week at the moment when you're playing an upcoming tournament? Yeah, it's tricky. Um, so I essentially run a division of, of a company, so I'm a pretty busy um, yeah. as executive entrepreneur. Um, so it's, it's definitely tough to squeeze it in. So usually it has to go into the mornings, um, then evenings and weekends. Um, so usually Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I try to go to, um, five iron golf and hit balls at six thirty seven in the morning. Um, use a track man. And I also work with a coach via the app Skillist. So I have to give Bill Schmides, uh, a little shout out. He's my, uh, my skillist coach and he's awesome. He also, um, works alongside like Andrew Rice and stuff. So he's, he knows his stuff. Um, but so he and I work together virtually. Um, so I usually just can send him a lesson every day and it's sort of like, am I on track or off track? Mm -hmm. And he'll look at the numbers, look at the video swing videos and, and get back to me. Um, 
and then on the weekends, I just try to play um, in real um, real conditions, whether that's mm-hmm. tournaments or or uh, um, just shooting around with friends at, at the local course. But um, sure. turns out to be a little bit more of a weekend warrior kind of thing, unfortunately. Yeah. I wish I could commit to more. And then I try to work out a couple nights a week too, just to... Yeah, I was. I, was, I mean, that was going to be my next question. If you, you said before you, you're quite a competitive guy, and you know, I knew if I know if I was doing it, I wouldn't just play for the sake of playing, even though it's an amateur tournament. I mean, are you working out as well? Like, do you try to take care of your diet? Like, how seriously are you taking it, or is it more just a bit of practice and a bit of gym as well as the tournaments? I mean, more more recently, I've started to do a little bit more like medicine ball stuff partially with some of the coach advice that I'm getting from mm-hmm. Bill. Um, but then also with um, just trying to trim down. I mean, I don't know about you, but I put it on the COVID-19. Yeah, I was going to say. Sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Definitely. I feel like more it's like a, a try to get it off than it yeah. is necessarily trying to get fit. But it's all coming together. <laughs> so I've been trying to manage the diet more for health reasons yeah Not just the golf but it all is kind of coming together too so yeah so with all the the tournaments you played and all that kind of stuff what's the kind of what's the best experience you think you've had playing golf yeah that's a, a good question um i guess you know tournament wise last year down in hilton head it was just fun um you know i got to play like the jones course at Palmetto Dunes. Yeah. Before that even, I also went to go play Harbortown, which is um, where they play the RBC Heritage sure. every mm-hmm. year on the PGA Tour. That was not part of the tournament, but I got to play there and it was just a fun experience with the caddies yeah. and, and walking the course. Um, but then also like, I mean, so far, one of my my more favorite uh, golf experiences has been Beth Page Black, even though it just rocked me. Um, last yeah. summer, I got to play it for the first time and destroyed me, but I ended up um, birdieing 18 after probably not having a par all day. Um, okay. It was that rough of a day. Um, but, you know, finished on a high. Yeah, it basically like spit me out all day. And then it was like, okay, we'll give you a birdie just to bring you back. But the course is beautiful. You walk it and it's, so many big long yeah. up and down hills and the design is just so beautiful and it, for a public course it's just kept in such great shape so yeah and with these amateur tournaments do you there's the many fans there or does it tend to just be the players and the, the caddies and stuff or do they get quite a quite a turnout no it's just the players we're, we're okay. just all there doing it for ourselves occasionally yeah. a, a significant other or wife or whatever sure. will uh follow you along on. yeah so um, no, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was i was i was talking about this the other day because I've, i spent a little bit of time in the united states when i was when i was younger and i follow a lot of the american sports and you guys seem to be like a lot more programmed from a younger age than we do as a sports to be used to like the pressure the media and stuff like that over in the states they have you know baseball with nine-year-olds playing on espn and for us, that's just like mind blowing to see that kind of stuff happen. Like what are these kids doing? So, yeah, I just thought that maybe those amateur tournaments, maybe they get like a big turnout and you guys are playing almost like pros. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, the closest we had was actually on, I think, it, what is it? The 11th hole at the Jones course at the Hilton Head one um, for the Golf Week Amateur National. 
there's like a tiki bar at one of the hotels that's right on the green. Okay. So that was about as much of a, a crowd of everybody. And, yeah. And two of the guys, it was the last day of, uh, it was uh, 54 holes. And so they were all kind of out of it. And so they were basically calling their girlfriend, girlfriends or wives yeah. to like meet them over there, come around the fence with uh, cocktails for them to finish up the back nine with. Nice. So it was fun. So. <laughs> so did they have like a, a caddy or anything like that as well or no? So it depends on the tournaments, but um, <laughs> most of them now. Um, so the golf week tour, they didn't allow caddies. The um, amateur players tour actually, they do allow caddies in most tournaments if you want to bring your own. Um, and then actually for like Whistling Straits this weekend, because um, in general, it's just a requirement to play out there that they don't allow carts. So we do get caddies. So it'll be a, mm -hmm. a fun and unique experience in that sense too, because um, you kind of start to feel a little bit like a pro in that sense sure. in the tournament. Do, do you notice a difference in your in your game with a caddy? Have you noticed like you, you score a little bit better or it's maybe improved the way you think about playing golf in general? Um, so most of the caddies that I've I've had have been um, helpful, um, but you know it's more like a local knowledge sort of edge. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the stuff, just me personally, I think. I know what I can do and I just kind of worry about like this caddy telling me without necessarily knowing my game. So I tend to try to keep it a little bit to myself, but uh, yeah. I think at Whistling Straits, it'll be a good thing because I could probably talk to him and say, okay, this is what my driver usually does. Mm -hmm. Where do I want to aim? Where do I want to kind of like put it? And they'll sure. be able to give me that local knowledge. And I think really where the benefit comes to is the putting. Um, that local yeah. knowledge on greens like harbor town oh, yeah. was a, a great one um you know just a, a totally different type of um you know bermuda grass yeah. compared to what i'm used to playing up in the northeast where the grain really factors in and you can see a putt that looks like it's sloping right but because of the yeah. grain it's actually sloping like uphill and that yeah. kind of stuff you don't know until you're you have yeah. that local knowledge caddy and I guess they have like the good misses as well, don't they? The good misses and the bad misses in terms of, you know, normally like the approach shots, where's, where's good to miss. And like you said, that local knowledge comes in handy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it'll be fun. Yeah. And um, you've been to Texas for a little while. Did you live there for a little while as well? Yes, yeah, so I lived in, in Austin for a while, um, about four uh, years or so. Looks like it's a really up and coming kind of part of the of the states now. It seems like everybody from from uh, kind of California's got over there now. Yeah, so you've seen the memo. Yeah, it's basically like uh, the new California of yeah. the South. <laughs> yeah, I follow um, Joe Rogan's podcast. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Uh, yeah, and he he's just moved there, and he was previously living in California, and he constantly says how basically now it's just the new California without being too too fucked up quite yet <laughs> <laughs> hopefully they so, kind of let it be a little bit don't try and change yeah. it too much <laughs> do, you, do you still go back and forth from there there often or did you just as of when you can like you said to maybe play golf or or, or visit people yes yeah, so i moved back not too long before covid um mm -hmm. back to texas so i've gotten a chance to go back just like one or two times and then because of covid i went back to san antonio um for mm -hmm. that trip um but yeah, I'll try to 
probably get back a little bit more. And I have a few buddies that I golf with down there that it'll be good to mm-hmm. see and, and play. Yeah, because over there in New York, I mean, how, how are you going to get on during the winter if you want to play? Surprisingly, the, the winters aren't that crazy. Um, it can okay. get cold. But I played in January this year, and it was maybe high high 30s, low 40s uh, Fahrenheit. Um, so just a little bit above you know, freezing. Um, so it stays just warm enough where it's not too crazy. Yeah. Um, but once the snow kind of falls, um, you know, obviously it shuts it down pretty quickly. But sure. you know, surprisingly, the mild the winters have been pretty mild, so we've been able to play through the winter a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think I might need to snowbird. My parents also go to Florida. Um, okay. Usually for like January, February ish. So I usually try to go down there. Go there for a little um, while. Amelia Island um, down there has some nice courses. So let's yeah. sneak it out. I mean, between Texas, Florida and, and New York, then you've got some pretty different styles of courses. How, like, how, is your game particularly good for any particular um, place where you play? Like, do you prefer to play in the New York style courses or are you better on the kind of Texas style? What's your game like and, and where does it suit? I think I grew up pretty much playing Parkland courses just in Wisconsin. So, you know, the the tree-lined fairways and things like that um, are what I grew up with. And even like the home course that I um, I belong to um, and learned to play at. Um, tighter fairways, not crazy long distances, but, you know, you had to play your shots right. And mm-hmm. you had to keep the ball in play. And if you ended up in the trees, it was, you know, you got to punch out and yeah. sort of take your medicine and get out of there. So I think I've just learned to play on those courses and, and gotten used to them. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the Texas style, they tend to be a little longer, but mm. you're also dealing like, I don't know how much you've heard about like the hill country winds, uh, down I'd there, imagine. but some, sometimes it's like 30, 40 mile an hour gusts and it's a different game. Um, so a little bit wider, drier, um, fairways, but it can run too. So if yeah. you catch it without the wind, you know, you can really like send it. Um, uh-huh. so I can play there. Whereas the link style, I think are a little a little new to me still. Yeah. And I just want to finish with, um, you know, your kind of Instagram, your golf Instagram account. You've obviously got quite a big following on there, almost about 18,000 uh, followers. Um, is this something that you kind of plan to do to try and gain a bit of a following and just post social content for them? Or did it just kind of happen? Yeah, it kind of happened. Um, so I have a marketing background. Um, mm-hmm. Used to be a fractional CMO and stuff. So Part of it was kind of like, all right, well, let's see what I can do here. Like, maybe I can get a couple of people to follow. Maybe I can, you know, have have some interest or whatever. And so I started mm-hmm. kind of applying to some ambassador programs as my following kind of grew and stuff. So, you know, I, I started working with a couple of companies and then a couple of others started reaching out. And so like Spy was one of the first ones for sunglasses and stuff that I started mm-hmm. working with. and. Um, there are a couple other um, companies like um, Moto 360 for the watch, which you might have seen. And yeah, um, so they kind of they kind of started reaching out. And so for me, it was just kind of fun and, sure. um, you know, to, to just kind of see. And as it kind of snowballed, I just kept creating content and, you know, people kept following along. And yeah, uh, the, the snowball kept happening. And it's weird. You know, I didn't necessarily set out for it, but 
you kind of hit this weird tipping point with social media that I'd heard about where yeah once you kind of get to a following it just starts to snowball blossom. effect so yeah, yeah so it's been and, fun to see <laughs> yeah and obviously outside of your golf you're you're an entrepreneur have you ever thought or are you currently or have you ever thought about doing anything with golf in terms of business-wise yeah so i mean uh, uh, on the side i actually have um started to uh work on a little candle business idea that i came up with um mm -hmm. it was actually during the masters this year okay um, my girlfriend and i we i mean we have like nice candles around in our, our apartment like joe malone uh -huh. and stuff like that uk brand yeah. um and so i was watching the masters and we needed to get new candles and i was like oh i wonder if it, like somebody has like a nice like masters themed candle or mm -hmm. like golf themed candle and everything was kind of just like i don't know somebody was like doing it in their basement kind of thing and so i thought yeah. you know what there's so much money in golf and so many people have nice homes in golf and yeah all these country clubs etc so i basically came up with this idea um which i've i've got a, a couple that are now out it's just sort of very small and very on yeah. the side and sort of um side hustle but wixcandle.co is the the brand and it's the Lynx series of golf candles so the first ones are uh pebble beach and magnolia lane that i'm working yeah. on and then uh, i have like saint andrews the straights nice. for whistling straights um and then a beth page for beth page black and so i've got a, a few of these coming up that i'm developing and working with a yeah. manufacturer um in the background cool. but my main full-time job is just keeping you busy crazy as well <laughs> so it's sort of a, a slow process yeah and you've got the masters flag there in the background have, have you been to many big tournaments or, or do you go to many of the the you know the tour tournaments in in the us uh growing up i used to go to um now i'm even blanking at what it was called like the oh the gmo the greater milwaukee open which mm -hmm. is no longer a tournament oh. um so i used to go a lot growing up to that one the masters actually the first year that they did the uh lottery tickets i was lucky enough to win practice round tickets so we got four of them oh. and got to uh go with the family so my my dad my mom my brother and i we all got to go down in uh, 2012 so that one actually um bought the flag and then as we were walking out over by the driving or the practice area um ran into Ben Crenshaw and so oh, it's cool. actually signed signed by him so nice yeah got a, a very nice souvenir out of that that trip awesome. um but uh hopefully we'll get back again soon uh, yeah that one but, awesome well listen thank you very much for for doing this episode I really appreciate your time today so for everybody that wants to check you out uh it's pony underscore golf on Instagram and the name of the Webster Candles, just in case you want a candle, is wixcandle.co. That's going to become big. I, I've never heard of it. W I C K S. That. I think that's going to be big. I've never heard of that idea before. I think it's going to be big. <laughs> so, listen, yeah, thanks, thanks very much so. for coming on. And I really appreciate your time today. Awesome. Thanks so much. Appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Scott. Cheers. Uh -huh.